Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. Here you'll find archived all of our previous messages dating back to late 2020. Our hope is that today's message would be encouraging to your walk with Christ. We also want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Revelation 17 and 18. Revelation 17 and 18. Our family likes to play games when we get together. And one of the games we like to play is called Tapple. Anybody ever played Tapple? Oh, you need to play Tapple. It's a fun game. It's one of those games that you have a buzzer and you don't want to be caught getting buzzed. So you got to try to get the correct answer before and then hit the button before the buzzer. And it's a little more complicated than that. That's just the summary version. But maybe you played a game like that where maybe uh, we, we don't pass the tapple, but maybe you played a game where you are holding something in your hand and you got to get the right word or do something before you pass it and you don't want to be left holding it when it's buzzing. And, and every family has at least one. Maybe you're that person who's always jumping and who's always freaking out when if they're the one who's holding it and it buzzes and it's fun. I also grew up on uh, Looney Tunes. Apparently that's politically incorrect now, but I'm not woke, so it doesn't matter to me. Whoops. I'd like to say that was for dramatic effect, but apparently that water is not any good anyway. See, I wouldn't have known. It's going to leak all over the floor, isn't it? I'm going to have to set it up. I'm not trying to act out the Looney Tunes, by the way. I just, maybe subconsciously. But it seemed like whether it was Elmer Fudd or Yosemite Sam, the bad guys, the one who inevitably is going to be left holding that bomb. Oh, they're trying to get the fuse blown out. They're trying to get it cut off. But in, invariably, that, that fire on that fuse jumps, doesn't it? And invariably, Fudd or Sam is left holding the bomb when, boom, the bomb goes off. This world is a ticking bomb. It has an expiration date. The clock is ticking. The fuse has been lit. And time is running out for the God of this world, the devil, and the systems of this world that he uses to deceive mankind. And the book of Revelation is affirmation and hope and comfort that while the world may appear to be out of control right now, that all that is happening right now that seems to go unchecked and unpunished and unjudged, all the wickedness, all the corruption, all the deception, that it has an end. And they will be the ones left holding the bomb, which is the wrath of God. 
Now, in Revelation 17 and 18, a passage that, uh, that we've looked at, uh, now this will be the third week, and Lord willing, we'll be in it uh, for a fourth week as well. You say, why spend so much time in these two chapters? Because they chronicle the fall, and really multiple falls, as we saw last week, and we'll see again. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. But as a city, Babylon is mentioned more than any other city in the Bible, with one exception, and that's Jerusalem. Only the city of Jerusalem is more significant and mentioned more often. Some 300 times the city of Babylon is mentioned, and it is not just mentioned, as we saw last week, as an ancient place or as a historical city, but it is also used, as we see here in Revelation 17, in a prophetic sense. It is not just a city. It is also a system that the devil uses to deceive mankind and to seduce men and women away from the worship of the one true God. Two chapters here. And in these two chapters, no less than five angels no less than five, three in these two chapters and two previously, one in 14, one in 16, and now three more angels. Five angels have been dedicated in God's prophetic timeline and in these passages that we've been looking at. Now, I mean, it was seven angels for the seals, right? Seven for the trumpets, seven for the vials. Five angels dedicated to either bringing about God's wrath or pronouncing God's wrath on this city and system which mysteriously and prophetically has been called Babylon. I heard a pastor who was this week, I heard a pastor uh, who was preaching on this passage of scripture and he I'm going to paraphrase what he said. He said, I know that some of you don't know why we're spending so much time on mystery Babylon. I mean, it's a mystery he said, I've heard people say, Pastor, people are discouraged. People are discouraged. Why are you preaching on Mystery Babylon? And he said, because people can get to heaven discouraged, but they can't get to heaven deceived. They can't get to heaven deceived. If the devil tells you and convinces you that you're okay when you're not, that you're right with God when you're not, because there's only one way to be right with God, folks. There's only one. There's only one way, only one truth, and only one life, and that is Jesus Christ. God has not made many ways for, for you to be right with him. He's made only one way. God has not enabled you to work off your sin debt, to work your way into heaven. God, because of his great love for you, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be the one substitute to pay for your sin and my sin, and John says not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world, Jesus Christ laid down his life, shed his blood, paid with his own life our sin debt. And because he was the sinless sacrifice who died in our place, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God the Father raised him from the dead on the third day. He came out of that tomb literally, physically, and now the living Savior, Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man, so he can 
he can bring God and man together. We can be one with God through the God-man, Jesus Christ. And he is extending you forgiveness of sins. He's, he's paid for it himself. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't deserve it. Can't pay him back. But you can receive it by faith. We receive God's grace through faith. That means you have to admit that you're a sinner who needs a Savior. You have to believe that Jesus Christ is that Savior, that he died for you, he rose again. And that he's coming back again. So we better be right with him. But he died. The, the gospel is that Jesus Christ, ten words, right? Remember Dr. Moyer was here, ten words. Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. That's it. That's what you need to believe and receive. You need to admit you're a sinner, believe he died for you, rose again. And then you need to call upon the name of the Lord. You're not born saved. There's nothing that I can do. I can't dunk you in enough water. That water is not clean enough. To wash away your sin. There is no water. There's nothing in this world that can wash away your sin except for the blood of Jesus. And so Jesus has made the way. You can receive him. All you got to do is call upon the name of the Lord. And if you will do that, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now I want to show you a verse. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Everything the devil is doing. Today and everything he has been doing. In fact, really, we go back beyond the cross because Satan has been trying to deceive people since the beginning, since the garden. Right. But certainly in the world we live in today, in the anti in the in the uh, post flood world, not the uh, pre flood world, the, in the post flood world. Certainly since the Tower of Babel, the, uh, the devil has had his plan and what the devil is doing today, actively doing today, Paul says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The devil is doing everything he can to keep people blinded with his false light so that they do not look to the true light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one of the primary systems that the devil is using today, the Bible calls mystery Babylon the Great. Not just a city, but also a system. A system that the Bible describes as a great whore, a prostitute, and a mother of prostitutes. In Revelation chapter 17 and 18. And so I turn your attention back to Revelation 17 and 18 this morning as we consider this week and Lord willing next the horrors of the great whore. This week, this morning, we're going to look at her present prophetic power, the horror of the power of the whore. Now, let me show you a few more verses that we are warned that this is not just a future thing. God warns us this is not just something that's going to happen in the future that we don't need to worry about today. The Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, tells us that the mystery of iniquity, and he's, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is all about the Antichrist. 
It's all about his rise to power and what's going to happen before, what has to happen for him to rise to power, the removal of the restrainer. The, the restrainer steps out. He removes his restraining force. Uh, he's going to remove the church, and then the, he's going to gather his people together, and then the Antichrist will be unleashed. He calls this all the mystery of iniquity, but he says, church, you've got to worry about that now because the mystery of iniquity is already working. He's already working. All that needs to happen for him to be unleashed is for the restrainer to remove his restraining force, which we believe is the church of Jesus Christ. But Paul's not the only one who said it. John said it as well. First John chapter four, the spirit of Antichrist. You've heard he's coming. Oh, he's coming. All right. But guess what? His spirit is already here today in the world. His spirit is all ready working and that's why in chapter 5 verse 19 the apostle john reminds us that the whole world is in already under the power of the evil one i used to think foolishly that the devil couldn't wait to get his hands on this world and he was going to have control of the world for seven years and that's all incorrect the devil's already got control now he's on a leash He's a dragon on a leash, and the leash is going to be loosened in some ways, but it's the spirit of Antichrist that's really going to be unleashed. That's really what's going to change. The whole world, John says in chapter 5, verse 19, lies under the power of the evil one already. The spirit of Antichrist is already at work. So you and I need to know what's going on here in Mystery Babylon. In this system it, that, that is localized, and we'll talk about that this weekend, next week, it, it does have a location, but it is not just a location. And by the way, that location has moved over the centuries because it is a spirit and a system as well as a location. And so let's look at the horrors of the great horror. Now, I don't want to read all all of these two chapters at once, but let's for uh, for context and by way of review, lead at least read at least part of chapter 17. We'll get to some of the other verses later, but I want to remind you of the vision here. Chapter 17, verse one, there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, apparently not the same one who pronounced judgment or John would have told us that. So we believe this is another yet another angel involved in bringing and pronouncing judgment on Babylon. And he says, that, that this angel talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, which we understand from this passage to be, uh, again, not just a someone but a system, the Antichrist system that is also... Uh, the manifestation of the Antichrist, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornications. Make no mistake, what makes grace so amazing is that our sin is so wicked. Don't, don't try, try to think you're going to make God bigger by minimizing people's sin. What, what makes God's grace so amazing, what makes his love for us, his forgiveness, his sacrifice of his only begotten son, 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, is how evil and wicked sin is in God's eyes. Now, I don't have the, uh, the re sin resume that this prostitute has, but I, I've committed some, some wickedness in God's eyes, some abominations. But this woman, is her, she's full of abominations in this golden cup that she's holding in her hand and the filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon, the Great. The mystery is that this, she's called Babylon. By the way, that would indicate to us very strongly that this is not the literal ancient city of Babylon, nor will it be a rebuilt city of Babylon over in the Middle East. In fact, there's some things that are going to disqualify that from being the case. But that, there are some very good Bible teachers who, who believe and who teach that Babylon will be rebuilt. By the way, Saddam Hussein, or Saddam Hussein, excuse me, uh, was going to rebuild Babylon. You remember how that worked out uh, for him. But it's not literal Babylon. Otherwise, it would not be a mystery. It's mystery that this entity is identified as Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great again, not admiration in the uh, the King James translates it admiration. And we, we use that word in the sense of, oh, we look up to that. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that he was provoked and amazed and personally was captivated by what he was seeing. It was so powerful an image. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. Now he talks about the beast, okay? And he describes uh, what this beast is. He tells us, verse 9, that this is, you're going to have to use wisdom, church. You're going to have to exercise wisdom here because the seven heads, it has a double meaning. It's seven kings, but it's also a literal location on seven mountains. This, the center of this worship of the beast, the center of this system is going to be located on a city, a literal city of seven mountains. Okay. Then he talks again about the kings. And then he talks about the ten kings. And he says in verse 16, The ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree, and give their kingdom unto the beast, until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Now, some of what we read in chapter 17 and 18 will not be completely and fully realized until the final manifestation of the beast's kingdom. But what you need to know is this is what this system, Babylon system, which has been operating since the Tower of Babel, the spirit of Antichrist already at work, John said, that was 2,000 years ago, 1 John chapter 4, mystery of iniquity is already working, Paul said, 2,000 years ago. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, this is what the system is working towards. This is what it is trying to accomplish. It's not accomplishing it completely today because it's being restrained, because the beast is being restrained, the spirit of Antichrist is being restrained. But this is what it is trying to work for. And if you understand that, then let me tell you, what's happening in, the, in America today is going to make a lot much more sense. And what's happening in Europe today is going to make a whole lot more sense. 
Because if you understand that the system, the Babylonian system is working towards this, is operating in this today, then you will not be deceived, nor will you be surprised when you see what we see happening in the world today. And so let me give you this morning some characteristics of her prophesied power. We think about the horror of the whore. What is so horrible? Today, we're looking at the horrors of how powerful she is and how influential and all that she's able to accomplish. Now, let's break this down and look at how the angel reveals her to us through the Apostle John. First, we're shown that she is prominent and prestigious. How do we know that? Well, how, look at how she's dressed. She's dressed in purple and scarlet. That, th- those colors signify great wealth, possibly royalty. And notice that she is riding on the beast kingdom. I don't know how many of you have ever ridden a horse. Some of you may have owned horses or maybe own a horse or, or some other animal that you can ride. Okay, Maybe when I was small, I could ride a dog. I, I, not too many dogs uh, that I... That, that I'm going to actually be able to ride on. I can sit on them, but that's not the same as riding, right? By the way, don't sit on a dog um, unless you want to get bit. Maybe if it's your dog and you know how to gently get him under your legs, maybe that's a little different than what I'm talking about here. But you ride on an animal because you are exercising control, or at least you think you are, right? Till the horse bucks you, till the, till the bull throws you off. But you are exercising control, over the horse. Now, we're going to go, Lord willing, next week through a little bit of a timeline and try to set all of this in, in proper perspective. But just for sake of this morning, let, let me remind you from Daniel chapter 2, we see it here again in Revelation. Daniel chapter 7, we see it here again in Revelation. What is going to happen before the Antichrist comes to power is the rise of 10 kings. The Roman Empire will revive under 10 kings. That's why people will need to know how to identify the beast by the number of his name. Because he's not going to be one of the 10 kings. He's not going to be the obvious person that most people are going to think. Certainly it's one of those 10 guys who is the Antichrist. No, it's not going to be one of those 10. But they will control together a revived Roman Empire. Outside of that empire will rise a little horn, someone who is going to, he's going to be a king, but he's not going to to be one of the ten kings. But through the influence and power of Babylon, how do we know that? Because Isaiah 14 calls him the king of Babylon, that he is going to, through that nation, he's going to try to exercise influence and control over those ten kings. And there's going to be a conflict. And eventually, when that conflict reaches its boiling point, a couple of things are going to happen. One of those is the subduing of, those, of three of the, of the kings. And then the Antichrist is going to be given power by the ten kings in total. And he's going to become the ruler of the ten. He's going to become, through them, and over them, the, the ruler of the revived Roman Empire. But it's not going to happen all at once. Back, way back in the 2nd century, Irenaeus, 
One of the, we call him church fathers. I don't like that name because he, he wasn't an apostle. He didn't have any kind of divine revelation, but he was a, a, a man who knew the scriptures. He, he knew uh, Polycarp, who was a disciple of the apostle John. He was trained by Polycarp. And Irenaeus wrote, guys, I'm paraphrasing again, okay? Guys, stop looking for the Antichrist because the Antichrist can't even get here until the Ten Kings come. So you're wasting your time if you're trying to figure out who the Antichrist is before the Ten Kings have even risen. Okay? This, this, what I'm teaching you is, is not entirely new. There are a lot of things that people, that the church lost and forgot about that was taught way back in the second century that points to uh, uh, a literal, and we would say today, dispensational view of the end times. But know for now that she is a prominent and prestigious entity number two as we already mentioned she is physically poised she's located we're told on seven mountains or seven hills now again she's a system but she's also a city it's, it's a mystery you're going to have to use wisdom uh, the angel says to understand this that's why we have two falls of babylon that's why we have in chapter 14 at the midpoint of the seven-year tribulation, we have a fall of Babylon. And then we have, at the end of the tribulation, three and a half years later, another fall of Babylon. You say, how, how can that be? How can it fall twice? Because we're, one is the fall of the city and, and a nation, and one is the fall of the system, the final, the final um, uh, absolution of the system. In fact, some people believe there's three falls. I'm not trying to confuse you too much today, so let's just keep going. But, but the point is, she's physically poised. She is controlled by a city that is located on seven hills. This, again, disqualifies historic Babylon, which was built on the, the, the plains of Shinar. But you might be wondering, well, what prominent cities in the world today are built on seven hills? And I screen capped this uh, from a presentation that uh, Doug Woodward uh, has given on Babylon. Uh, uh, I ag agree with a lot of what... Uh, Doug is saying about Babylon, not, not in completely everything, but uh, I could recommend if you want to go a little deeper than I'm going to be going today and, and next week to uh, some things that that Doug has said, Doug Woodward has said and written. But you notice a number of cities today that would meet that qualification, Rome being one of them, Mecca being one of them, Jerusalem is on that list. Jerusalem, as we'll see, is disqualified for some other reasons. We'll get into that more next week. The United States, through our capital city, which is, by the way, a city-state. It, it has its own laws. It has its own rules. It is a city-state, Washington, D.C. But the point here is she is physically poised. Now, again, this is not historic Babylon being rebuilt. Her name is a mystery. And it's not the first time the Bible has done this, even in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 11, remember? Jerusalem is called Sodom. Jerusalem is called Egypt. Jerusalem is called a city and a nation, symbolically. And so here, one of these cities or another city in the world is symbolically Babylon. Not literally, but symbolically Let's go to the third thing. 
Not only is she prominent and prestigious, physically poised in the end times world, and I believe we are living in the very end of the very end of the time before the rapture. I would not be at all surprised if the Lord comes back on the Feast of Trumpets this week. I would not at all be surprised. I'm not making a prediction, okay? I'm not telling you to sell your house, sell your car, okay? I'm not making a prediction. I'm just saying I would not be surprised. I pay extra, extra close attention every Feast of Trumpets, especially. And I'm not saying he has to come back on Feast of Trumpets. He can come back whenever the Father sends him, right? God will declare, okay? No man knows the day or the hour, but I'm always paying a little extra attention on the Feast of Trumpets. But notice this entity is a politically powerful entity. How do we know that? Because she is manipulating uh, the word there is fornicating, okay? Manipulating and fornicating with who? The governments and the kings of the earth. How any Christian who knows the book of Revelation could just laugh off conspiracy theories, especially after what we've seen the last three years? I don't know what you guys take before you go to sleep. That you're sleeping through what's going on in the world today. But wake up! Wake up! The Bible tells us that there is a system called Babylon that manipulates world rulers. Psalm chapter 2, speaking of the battle of Armageddon, David prophesies, Why do the nations rage and the kings plot a vain thing? You say, yeah, but that's the th you don't know we're in the end times. You don't know we're in the future. Do you realize that the European Union, their headquarter in Brussels, do you realize what it was designed to be? They're telling, listen to them when they tell you. When people tell you what they believe through their actions, listen to them. Well, he doesn't really mean that. He doesn't really think that. Look at what, look at what their, their headquarters was designed to be. It's designed to be an imitation of what? The Tower of Babel. They're telling you who they serve. They're telling you who they worship. They're telling you what they believe. And, and the church doesn't... Oh, I, that's just conspiracy theory. Really? Really? Babylon fornicates with the governments and kings of the earth. And she's doing it. The mystery of iniquity, this has been going on for centuries. For centuries. She is, what does it mean, fornication? It means she is intentionally leading nations in rebellion against King Jesus Christ. In rebellion against his laws. Not just spiritual laws, folks, but you're seeing it today. Natural laws. God's natural laws. Daniel prophesied this way back in Daniel chapter 11, that the Antichrist will seek to change times and laws. He's going to... Do, what, how, it doesn't get any more basic than boys and girls. You're a boy or you're a girl. And the spirit of Babylon says, you can be whatever you want to be. You can be whatever you want to be. God says... I created you men and I created you women. And the spirit of Babylon says, we're going to change those laws. It's happening today. It's not happening by accident. 
It's happening by operation of the spirit of Antichrist working through mystery Babylon. And what nation, by the way, in the world today is trying to impose this gender insanity on African nations? We won't give you aid. We won't give you money for food for your children unless you adopt this insanity. Get to that more next week. Look at this next picture, by the way. Right outside the EU headquarters. A woman riding the beast. Now, it's not the same beast as pictured here in Revelation. That'd be a little too on the nose, right? This is Europa. This is where Europe gets its name. Europa, the goddess Europa, riding uh, Zeus in the form of a bull. And that's as close to telling you what that story's about as I'm going to do because this is going to have to, at the worst, be PG-13 this morning. So you can do your own studies on that if you want to get into the nitty-gritty. But they're telling you who they worship, folks. They're telling you who's pulling the strings. She is politically powerful. Number four, she is, notice, pervasive and persuasive. She sits upon many waters, and the the angel does not leave that open to our interpretation. He tells us that means what that means in verse 18. The woman which thou sawest, that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. She sits upon many waters. These are the nations, we're told, these are the nations that she controls. These are the people that she controls. Verse 15. The waters thou sawest where the whore sitteth are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. Incidentally, the word, you say, why does he use four different words there? Well, certainly for emphasis, we'd say, but the word peoples there, in the Greek word peoples there, almost always, not always, not always, but almost always in the New Testament, almost always is used referring to God's people. Referring to God's people. In other words, this is a place where you will find God's people. Not not in the system, right? But in this city, in this place, you're going to find the peoples there. Whether that be the Jewish people or the church or both. Uh, I believe there, there is a, the, the use of that word is intentional. And that's why we have all of these other descriptions as well. She is pervasive and pers- she has worldwide influence. She's not just, not just politically is she influential, but culturally influential as we get into chapter 18 which we'll look at by the way that's part of your homework for next week is to read up on chapter 18 her own corrupt consumer culture influences the cultures of the world we're told through her wealth through her merchandise through her standard of living through her sorceries the greek word is pharmakia from which we get our english word pharmacy she is controlling the world. Number five, again, more on that next week. Number five, she is prolific and productive. She's accomplishing what she's setting out to do. She is a mother of harlots. She is a producer of systems. Religious systems? Yes, of course, that's obvious, right? Demon worship. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20, when the pagans go to their temples, and offer their sacrifices, they're worshiping devils. 
Now, who were the gods in Corinth? Zeus, Athena, Apollo, the, the Poseidon, the Greek gods. Now, God is not saying that those stories about the Greek gods are true. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying that behind the worship of Zeus is the worship of Satan. Behind the worship of, of Athena and, and, all of the, and, and Hera and all of these, and Freya and all of these gods and goddesses that these people worship and sacrifice to are real demonic spirits, real fallen angels. Every pagan religion in the world finds its root in the Tower of Babylon and Babylon, the system of Babylon. But note, it's not just religious systems that she produces because she's fornicating with the kings of the earth. She's using political and economic systems as well. Socialism is from the pit of hell. It is. I, it boggles my mind the number of Christians who want to Go on about historic slavery, which I'm 100% agreed with you, 1,000% agreed. What happened in this country was wicked and immoral, and we have paid in blood and will continue to pay in blood because of those past sins. But to but to want to always only ever preach about ancient race, racism and slavery, and your solution is to make us all slaves to the government? That's your solution. Just give all the power to the, give all the money to the government. Let's worship man instead of God. That's what communism is. That's what socialism leads to. That's why every time communism, this is very personal for our family because my, my wife lived through this as a child. Her family lived through this. My mother-in-law's uncles were lined up in Ethiopia and shot by the communists. We, our families lived through this. We've seen this. This has happened in Ethiopia. It's what happened in Cuba. It's what happened in Russia, China. Everywhere communism comes. They promise the world, but they enslave. Babylon is the spirit behind communism. Babylon is the spirit behind jihad. Babylon is the spirit not only behind false religions, but behind all systems that push a wor worship away from God and towards men. Let me give you the, these last few just very quickly. Again, we're, we'll touch a, more on this next week, but number six, she is perverted. That goes without saying, right? But she is also a perverter and specifically of what is holy. You say, well, how does that, how do you see that in chapter 17? Because she's holding a golden cup in her hand. Do you remember when historic Babylon fell? King Bel Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson. Those items from the temple that, that had been taken. He's having a drunken feast. He says, hey, get those gold, get those gold goblets and those gold cups from the temple we took from Babylon. From, uh, from, from Israel, from Jerusalem, and let's bring them here, and let's have a Babylonian worship service to our gods, and let's, let's use the golden cups to mock God. And what happened? Big old hand appeared upon the wall and so terrified him, Daniel literally says his knees were knocking, he was so, he was so terrified. I'm sure there was a puddle at the, on the ground after he saw what he saw. 
Nobody could interpret mene, mene, right? Nobody could interpret it. Daniel could because God gave the interpretation. Your days are numbered. Daniel, we're going to give you all this money. No, don't want, it ain't no good. Your power's gone in a few hours. But do you know before Daniel, Jeremiah had prophesied, and we'll talk about this, Lord willing, next week, that Babylon at one point was a golden cup in the hand of God. The nation that God will judge at the end times was once a servant of God and used for God's purposes, and now that golden cup has been used to mock God and profane God. Jeremiah 50 and 51. She's perverted. She perverts what is holy. Seven, she, number seven, she's proud. She's provocative. She, she's defiant. She wears her name on her forehead and flaunts herself and glorifies herself and says, I am no widow. I will not lose my children. She's, number eight, she's passionately putrid. What is she filling God's cup with, blood? She's a homicidal maniac. She's vampiric, drunken on the blood of the righteous. Some of you hear conspiracy stories about the elites um, drinking blood. And you think, oh, that's crazy. That's Babylon. That's the spirit of Babylon. That That ain't crazy. Oh, it's, I mean, it's insane in the sense that people are doing it, but it's not crazy to think they are. I mean, you, you do realize, right, Ghislaine Maxwell is in prison for trafficking children to, to who? None of those billionaires have gone to jail. None of those celebrities, those Hollywood actors, those politicians whose names are on the flight log, none of them have paid yet what they have done and you think blood drinking is just insane to even think that they're listen I'm not naming names I'm just telling you that ain't none of the clients in jail yet mystery Babylon she is passionately putrid drunken on the blood of the righteous because it's only going to get worse in the tribulation folks You do not want to be here for that. It's only getting worse. You think it's bad now? You think what's happening now is bad? And finally, there's only one pure thing about this woman. She is purely pagan. She is purely pagan. Where do I see that? Let's close with uh, chapter 18. 13 and 14. Well, almost because I got one more verse and then we're done. Chapter 18 talks about the cinnamon, the odors, the ointments, the frankincense, the wine and oil, the flour and wheat, the beasts and sheep, the horses, chariots. And notice what mystery Babylon traffics in. Slaves and the souls of men. Some of you work at the hospital. You've gone through training. You've gone through training at our hospital on how to recognize signs that somebody is being human trafficked here in Cumberland. There are more people being trafficked today 
then there were slaves. In the, I'm, not, I'm not minimizing what happened. What happened was demonic. But what's happening today is demonic too. There are more slaves today in the world than there ever have been. And Mystery Babylon is profiting from that, is trafficking in the souls of men and in slaves. Why do you think, why do you think the mafia controlling our country has just opened up the southern border and letting people pour in? Why do you think that? They're trafficking children, people. They're trafficking drugs. It's Mystery Babylon at work before our very eyes. And it's only going to get worse. But I will tell you this. It's all coming to an end. It's all coming to an end. I got one more verse for you. We're going to close with 1 John chapter 2. One more group of verses. 1 John chapter 2. Love not the world. Neither the things of the world. The word world there is Greek cosmos. It means the system. It means the world system. Jesus died for the people of the world. He didn't die for the system. Love not the system. Neither the things that are in the system. If you love the system, you are not truly saved. That's not my opinion. That's John says, if any man love the, the system, the world system, the love of the Father is not in him. But you know what happens? We don't love the system, but we love the things in the system. We love the things the system produces, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the boasting of life. Those are the things that trap us. But the world and its system are passing away. And John says, focus on the Father. Focus on the Father. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, verse 18, it is the last time. As ye have heard, the Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know it is the last time. We're at the end, folks. That was 2,000 years ago. We're 2,000 years closer to the end. Don't love the world. Don't get sucked into the world. Do the will of God. What is our response to Mystery Babylon? Let's do God's work. Let's get people to unite on the rock. Let's get people who need to hear Jesus there so they can hear the gospel. We can't, we can't save them, but we can get them to where they can hear about salvation. And let's be the light in the darkness that God has called us to be. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? Father, we thank you for the revelation of the system that is happening. God, we see it happening today. We see it happening around us. God, we know it's only going to get worse. But we know you're going to bring it to an end because Jesus Christ is king of kings and Lord of lords. And the nations can rage all they want. They can plot as much as they want. But Jesus, Psalm chapter two says, when you come back. You're going to break their power forever and you're going to rule this world with a rod of iron. You're going to bring peace. You're going to bring order and you're going to bring real justice. Father, we love you. We praise you. Father, if there's somebody here today who doesn't have that hope, I pray this is the day they put their faith and trust in the only real Savior you provided, Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's sing this hymn together. If you have a need, the altar's open. Our deacons are here. Our deacons' wives are available. Let's sing this hymn together as we close.
of your son. Father, I know that you're working here this morning. God, you're working in hearts. And God, I know that you are the hope in the darkness. You are the joy in the pain. And so, Father, as we grieve what we see the world descending into, Father, may our eyes be fixed on you, not on the wind and the waves around us, God, but on our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, may we be motivated by what is going on, more and more motivated to be the church, to be your light, to be your salt in this world, to spread the love of Jesus Christ, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world that is lost and dying without him. Give us the opportunity. Give us the strength. And God, we again ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask, uh, you may be seated, but I want to ask anybody who has... That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you'd like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301 724 5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. If you've never joined us in person, we have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12th meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our WANA program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. Again, we thank you for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon. But until next time, stay faithful.